talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2023, we take a look back at what was Aaron Sorkin's seminal classic, The West Wing, from a bit more lefty socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And And together, we are struggling through these two episodes. (laughs) What the fuck? Absolutely. The titles of this one is, the first one is Two Weeks Out. The second one is Welcome to Wherever You Are. Uh, which are both such nothing titles, which is appropriate for these nothing episodes. In boy, listener, we love to say that nothing happens on the show a lot, but man, nothing fucking happened boy, on this show. Boy, does nothing happen. Something Emma Emma mentioned a bit of trivia about the second title. Apparently, it's a Sorkin thing, and every one of his shows has okay. an episode titled Called, like "Welcome to Wherever Welcome You Are," more, like "Wherever You Are" or whatever the fuck it is. It's just a okay. quirk, and I don't know. But the thing is, ironically, he's off the Sorkin, show now. yeah, ironically, Sorkin so, didn't title this episode. I, I don't know why. Maybe he called his friend who took over, or maybe he called what Tommy Schlamy and was like, uh, "Sure," yeah. or Tommy was like, "Here, I'm gonna do like a little wink, wink, nod, nod joke to yeah, you," yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or in the title for this episode. Do you did you like it, senpai? <laughs> Yeah, anyway, that's some completely stupid Sorkin trivia to just, you know, start this show off with a bang. Because <laughs> let me tell you, there's a whole bunch of really boring, stupid stuff that we get to talk about today. Yeah, so the first episode actually starts out with the with what I'll call an unintentional <laughs> comedy bit, basically. Yeah, it's very funny. Where Alan Alda is shaking hands on a rope line, you know, doing the campaign stuff, shaking a lot of hands, shaking a lot of hands, gets back to the car, and is like, ah, oh, damn, my hand's really sore from shaking all these hands. And it's kind of like, a, you know, his age is catching up to him kind of bit. Uh, and then he's going to some Chicago small business thing where Santos is coming in right after him. And uh, as you noted, like they set up beforehand, like, oh, the guy introducing you is like a former Chicago Bear football player or whatever. Because hilariously, as his hand is like nearly dying, he has to go shake the hand of the guy introing him at the Chicago thing. And it is the biggest, gooniest, like, football lineman type motherfucker grizzly bear handshake (laughs) you have ever seen and he just has these giant giant hands and he reaches out (laughs) and he crushes alan alda's small old man hand and alan alda winces in pain and i'm like this is brilliant like this is like a kids in the hall sketch or something like this this is this is pure sketch comedy but the show doesn't realize it It's like, oh, my hand roll. What's our next stop on the camp? What's our, like, what's the TikTok for today? It's like, all right, sir, we got you at the National Arm Wrestling Championship, and then you got to go, and, you know, you're going to be modeling watches all day, so you got to get those hands in good shape. <laughs> yep, and then we close it off with you uh, shaking hands with the uh, largest hands in the world club. <laughs> Yeah, you've got dinner at the Large Hands Club? No way. <laughs> oh, wow, you booked that. Nice. <laughs> Oh, so that like that's really funny, and it leads to him basically breaking his hand, and a doctor being like, "Yeah, you should put a cast on that." And they're like, "Yeah, I can't put a cast on because it'll make me look like an old man, and I'll lose the election." And so he gives him a cast he can put on in private, uh, which leads to <laughs> which, a lot of which really is definitely a lot of more, also, which is definitely how medicine works yeah like, exactly it's just like you the just kind of like you, you half and half the cast, you know, you take <laughs> yeah. it on, you leave it You'll off, be fine. you know. 
<laughs> you, no, just wear the mask you know. into the restaurant until you get to your table. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's <laughs> medicine loves you know negotiating halfway on things. Uh, it totally works. Just finish half your Z pack. You know, like you mm-hmm. don't have to finish the whole thing. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so he wears this in private, which leads to, again, a lot of more unintentional comedy that the show doesn't realize it has gold here, where he's got this giant blue cast for his little, like, pinky fracture that has to, he has to keep putting on when he's having these silly, serious political discussions about the futures of his campaign. So, that's all, that's, this is the only good stuff we have to latch onto, listener, because the rest of it is such of a slog. Well, yeah, so they don't do anything with the, the cast, they have, like, the... Them being saying to the doctor, like, motherfucker, you got to understand, you're here to, like, dope me up and get my ass moving like JFK. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't need x-rays. And you will not tell anybody or show anybody that I am showing weakness here. Right. Give me the cocktail. Put it into my butt cheek right now. <laughs> yeah, give, give me the good juice, Doc. The stuff that'll make me, you know, see music and, and hear and hear <laughs> sounds. No, wait, you normally hear sounds. You know what I mean. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, he just gets, yeah, that kind of becomes a thing. So this episode is mostly about his campaign floundering now that the uh, race is more neck and neck. And so he's fired um, home improvement lady. Patricia Richardson. Uh, and now we have is uh, the new religious right lady who came in with Dean Norris, who Dean Norris is gone. They couldn't get him to stick around. But uh, his lady assistant is now basically the new campaign manager and is pushing a you need to pivot hard to be super conservative, go toward the South, go tell them that you hate gay marriage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so her name is Jane. Yeah, I think it's an Ann Coulter equivalent. Like it's a. Yeah, a little. Yeah. She's not Um, as. She's not quite as, like, personally... Rabid? Yeah, exactly. Like, personally off-putting as Ann Coulter. Uh, But, yeah, she's very Shark-esque in that way, where, like, the second the campaign makes a decision she disagrees with, she's like, well, I'm quitting. (laughs) Yeah, this said, like... um she she gets like these rants and whatever, and then as soon as they do something she doesn't approve of, she's like, okay, see ya. And so they have to fight to keep her on. And I don't... They, they they go out of their way to, like, keep her on board, and I don't know why. Also, they're doing this thing where they're trying to set her up as competent by making Bruno stupid. Uh, so yeah. So he, he's doubled down on the stupid pills, and he's completely out of strategy, basically. And he's like, yeah, we should do what Ann Coulter lady said and, and pivot to the South. And, like, it, there's a whole thing at the end where, like, Bruno and Arnie are talking one-on-one, and he and Bruno's just like, no, this isn't. We don't get to decide for the voters what they need to care about. Like we take feedback from them, and then they tell us how we need to run our campaign. I'm like, holy shit! Again, like you said, he's doubling and tripling down on the stupid pills here. Like, old Bruno would never say this. He would say old the Bruno ex- would never the exact say that. opposite. He would say, "You drive the conversation. This is this is like uh, like Mad Men Don Draper shit, where you change the conversation." You know, that's yeah, that's what you do in politics. People are talking fucking, about some, something you don't want to, them to be talking about. You change the conversation to something you do want them to be talking about. And he had also, in literally the intro to this episode, in the clips from, you know, last week on right, the West Wing. The previously there's, 
there's him saying that's how you change the conversation right so like so it's like it's very weird again i think it's they're kind of doing it to pop up the prop up the confidence or competence of this new and culture lady to make her look like you know she's smart she knows what she's doing so therefore vinick is smart by listening to her kind of thing and at this juncture we've we'd had um, the Cheney interview where he's like, we create realities. Right. So yeah. like, or Carl this Rove is or the whoever, but yeah, Carl was, yeah, well, whoever it was, but yeah. it's like, okay, cool. So, but now Bruno's just going to be an absolute dope. However, <laughs> this, this isn't going to like, this is totally consistent within the show's universe because they use these characters to do whatever they feel like based right. on what the writers put into the show today. Exactly. Uh, no one has a consistent character. No one's knowledge is consistent and applies to their thoughts and actions. They're just the puppet of which the writer's voice comes out. And like occasionally they learn things and then just unlearn them later. <laughs> and like, I I don't know. So the best thing about this episode is there's the fucking briefcase problem. Oh my God. It's so fucking dumb. Okay, this is the stupidest thing ever. So basically Santos leaves his briefcase somewhere and the Vinic campaign gets their hands on it through, like, mistaken identity. You know, Bruno picks it up thinking it's his briefcase kind of thing. Bruno quickly realizes he has Matt Santos's briefcase, uh, rummages through it, looks for anything that could, you know, help out. And he calls Vinic in, and, and, and Vinic has to do this whole rigmarole of, like, once he hears that it's Matt Santos's briefcase, he's like, I don't, I don't want to hear anything about this. I need plausible deniability. Uh, I don't want to know anything. I'm a good Republican. You know, like, I'm not going to take advantage of this <laughs> gift situation that has dropped into my lap. Like DeSantis' voice, it's sugar. <laughs> like, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I, v- Vinick, three weeks later, I did everything right and they indicted me. They indicted me. So, so uh, they, they so, basically say, like, please don't show me the information. And Bruno's like, well, it's going to make I've shown president. myself this information. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, <laughs> the, this is my favorite part is like a, a dramatic act break. He's like, what's in this briefcase will make you fucking president. And like, and so like Vinick has to like, you know, go through like a moral quandary of like, oh, do I learn what's in there? He does because he thinks it will make him president. And it's just that. Matt Santos has been writing what looks like to be child support checks once a month to a woman named uh, what Anita Morales, something like that, uh, who worked worked with him back when he was mayor. She was like a clerk. And so they think that basically he had an affair with his wife, knocked up this girl and is writing her child support checks. And, you know, if this came out two weeks before the election, obviously this would completely destroy his campaign he's gonna have to go on maury <laughs> DNA oh test, hell no DNA maury test. that kid ain't mine anyway she tricked me <laughs> jimmy jimmy you santos are not the father jimmy, jimmy matt's matt's jimmy santos i combine them matt santos <laughs> shoots up 10 points of the polls after he does a sick dance after learning he is not the father <laughs> that's right matt santos throws a chair in celebration <laughs> moon walks off stage <laughs> shoots up in the polls 10 points <laughs> I mean, it would work. Yeah. Again, DNA test. All you have to do is eat a Nathan's hot dog and boom, election won. <laughs> you are not the father. Bite in the hot dog. Game over. Uh, yeah. So it ends up being, you know, it's not 
as black and white as that because yeah, I mean, if it were that kind of situation, it would be it would be a slam dunk. I think if the candidate himself, while married, had an affair, knocked up a woman, you know, secret love child, all that kind of stuff. However, the truth is actually much more boring. It's his uh, shiftless, uh, no good brother uh, dated the girl. Uh, there was no adultery involved. They just dated. She got pregnant and Matt has been doing the good thing and just supporting her because the brother ducked out, you know, the second. Yeah. Or like <laughs> he heard yeah, he, like she was pregnant. doesn't have a job or something. He's like a Hunter Biden type shithead, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, but, which is, but the, it's, his which is ultimately... it's his fucking brother. It's not him. If it was him, you'd have something, but like you have nothing. So I, instead, I don't... <laughs> instead you have like a instead you have like a selfless act of giving money to right. raise a child that's right. not yours. He's just like, going to look better. Yeah, like yeah. if anything, if anything, the truth will come out. He'll look like more of a mensch than before. So it's like a tabloid news item of like, oh, president's brother or whatever, instead of front page uh, headline shit. But they thought they had you know real shit here, and then so there's this weird confrontation at the end where they get five minutes, Santos and Vinick alone, for him to actually give the briefcase back, and they kind of go over, excuse me, the whole situation. Uh, Santos kind of explains his side of it. And then Vinick, like, does this weird thing where he just sort of, like, judges him super hard, and is just like, man, you got to get your house in order. Or whatever, and is or like you have a responsibility to the voters or whatever. As I said, if if Matt Santos had done the jerk off motion with his hands to that to that remark, I would have stood up and clapped. <laughs> it's it's this um, it's the writers attempting to kind of I'm going to use it. I'm going to say it to like zhuzh up this interaction between these two nominally like up on a pedestal type guys. Like there's right. nothing wrong. Right. With either of these. There's not supposed to be. But they they are both, you know, idealistic and these these paragons of virtue to whom right. we are supposed to look up. So A right. they're not opposing, only have the, but they're both decent men, you know? And so and in this way I was kind of trying to think about like the meta on this. It's like the writers have sort of they just have written themselves into a corner here because there's no outcome of this because if I was thinking about this and like coming at it from a neutral perspective, I would hear Matt Santo say, no, that's my brother's like ex-girlfriend who doesn't have a job and a thing. And I'd be thinking, is Matt Santos actually telling me the truth? Right. Which could be interesting because that's perfect. That's a perfectly right. good lie to right. tell about having a kid, like a kid out of wedlock. If and, it's your kid, if and it's vice, a scandal. And vice versa with when Vinick says, by the way, I'm not going to use any of this dirt against you. Like, that would be interesting if Vinick mm. is lying in that moment. But because these two are such, like, capital G good guys, neither one can be lying. Yeah, it it precludes all of those potentially interesting avenues yes. of exploration. In of, story. like, that could have been good drama and good conflict and given us something to chew through next episode, uh, which ends up also being, like, a big nothing <laughs> happens kind of, mo- of episode. But yeah, all these, all this potential for like, uh, you know, like more golden era type serialization of plot lines and and exploring dramatic potentials of a situation like this. And no, they just wanted to throw the briefcase plot into an episode as a subplot kind of thing. 
Yeah, like it was it was like 15 minutes of the whole episode where you could have done and it's just it's tonally inconsistent too because they play it up they're like oh my god right this fucking briefcase what right. the fuck right Holy and they're shit. like like they're like the the public needs to know what if they find this out after you've become president you know like the fucking country could rip apart <laughs> like <laughs> and again classic western fashion they spend all this time trying to build this tension and then do nothing with it just immediately literally, shut literally it down. nothing because as you as you perfectly stated they wrote themselves in a corner by making both of these dudes not nixon you know like arnie yeah. vinnick's not nixon if it was nixon nixon would have been like oh sweet we're gonna take this motherfucker down you know like <laughs> but but you know he's nice alan alda he's not gonna do that yeah so that happens That's and again the, the weird the weird sort of like boomer level judgment of Santos for like daring to have a brother even, who or, dated or a girl like even if you don't believe him even if I am reading Vinick's take on this as being like yeah right Matt the truth will come out someday Mr. Sure. Adulterer Mr. Philanderer man sure. like it's just, it's so fucking irritating and condescending. Like yeah, he's, it's like, he's oh. He's kind of preaching to him. Like, the, he, uh, Even Vinick says earlier in the episode, like, he wouldn't be the first president with an illegitimate child. <laughs> like, yeah, not <laughs> oh, even <shit>. close. <laughs> yeah. So, God. yeah, it's really, it's really weird. And uh, again, nothing happens. And that's basically There's the whole a- first episode. <laughs> There's a press conference where Arnie oh, right. pulls <clears throat> that, uh, like a talk through airtime. Kind right, of that thing is the other to... second sort of like plot point that happens is like his way to get out uh, from all the nuclear bullshit he's going through is to go do a press conference in front of the nuclear plant and basically just stand there and do like an hour long conference where he answers every question until the press gets bored and goes away. And apparently this this is framed as like, the smartest, like, big brain the, super, the super solution in politics. And everyone's, like, everyone's watching on TV and it's like, God damn it, son of a bitch did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm sitting here asking him, I'm like, being like, what is Do you think anyone? Do you, do you think, think anyone kept watching this after, like, two minutes? <laughs> like, like, any what's, audience? What's the angle here? And, and to her, she also said, you know who loved to do this shit? Strom Thurmond. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Strom Thurmond Me. used this sort of technique where he would just go on and be like, oh, I'm going to be completely transparent and, you know, answer all your questions. Yeah. And he, he just, just talk, does the politician answer talk. for everything where he doesn't actually answer anything. <laughs> yep. So that's the first episode. It mm-hmm. was bad and pretty boring, but uh, I'm so excited to take a brief break and then come back and talk about the next episode, which is also... Bad and pretty boring. And even more boring. Hooray. <laughs> right. I got a suitcase, baby. I take and our love was true. And welcome back. So the second episode uh, kicks off with uh, one writer had a smart idea. Hey, we've got Kristen Chenoweth. Why don't we have her sing a little bit? 
<laughs> and they do. They're getting off the plane and like on the tarmac and like they're feeling themselves. They're doing a little strut and Chris and Channel is singing and it's yeah. great. The campaign is in good in good spirits uh, as they are continuing to. Uh, this is the real problem. It's just like the they've they've kicked the, both campaigns into like oh now they're neck and neck and break even and they don't want to change that at all. Even though I can really feel them wanting to like run with the momentum and just have Santos like outright take the lead. But then that would make for a boring election day episode, right? If Santos was just like six points ahead and it was basically like walking in with like, you know, 300 something electoral votes. But so they can't really do that. But so it, it leads to a lot of this, like we're campaigning, but we don't actually like see the campaigning anymore. Cause like we've done that already. So we're just kind of seeing, like, these side effects of campaigning. Like, what you talked about, the bus scene. Like, there's this bus scene where just, like, there's a lot of chaos, you know? All the staffers, everyone's talking all over each other. And just, you know, someone trips and spills papers. And, you know, like, it's like, whoa, the last week of a national campaign sure is chaotic. <laughs> well, and, and they're also, they blend this seamlessly with the concept that, like, it's it's the campaign equivalent of the White House staff never taking vacation, like yeah they they're they're all just yeah, too goddamn busy campaigning to sleep correctly. Right. So that's what we actually open on is the cold open is them planning the last five day schedule and like you know it's got a lot it has uh, Matt Santos falling asleep during the meeting it has Helen Santos going like holy shit we're doing five states a day. <laughs> like and uh, Janine Garofalo explaining that they basically they chase the sun, they fly with the time zones to to pull off this particular maneuver, uh, and yeah, it's just it's it's so funny to me that our presidential campaigns last for like over a year, well up to like a year and a half, sometimes even closer to two years, and there's still this much like cram it in at the last second energy to to all of it because. To be fair, the voters don't think about elections until, like, literally the day of. <laughs> and are like, oh, right, there's an election today. Well, and this was sort of, like, a, a point in the original, in the first episode here is they literally say, it's just, why don't we just, why do we even bother campaigning before the last two weeks? I'm like, hmm, right. I wonder. It, it's almost like you? in saner countries, they actually limit this shit. And they only have, like, a few weeks of electioning allowed right before the election. And you can't do it for months and months and years beforehand. Well, uh, Dave, I don't know if you've heard, but that wouldn't let millions and millions of dollars flow to wealthy donors <laughs> to various yes grifting industries yeah. and TV Life, law firms, pr firms etc etc et yes where all these fail nephews and fail uncles can rake six-figure salaries yes how <sighs> would we keep the grift machine going if if we just had a much more sane like six-week election like even england even england who is like you know we all know about England, right, folks? Like, I, even yeah. England has this shit better down than yeah, we like, do, lock, which is which is up. sad. <laughs> which is real sad. Like, we we fought a whole war to do it better than England, folks. Come on. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, they do this stuff where it's like it is intended to communicate to the viewer that these people are both dedicated and also like it's a grueling time period, right? In the campaign. Right. And, like, to be fair, I'm sure the real I'm world sure equivalent is. of this is absolutely grueling. And, like, you know, but, like, we've gotten grueling work from this show since day one. This is nothing new. So, you know, they're just, they're trying to turn the dial up to 11. But it doesn't really 
register because we've been rocking out at 10 this whole time. Yeah, and it's also not in service of anything bigger. It's just like, oh, wow, these people sure do look busy. It's just like, oh, uh, it's an excuse for why Matt Santos yells later because he's cranky because he's sleep deprived. Yeah, it's one of the longest (laughs) setups to a delivery I think the show has ever done because it starts down that path with him when he first gets on the plane. I think even in the the cold open. Yeah. The cold open is when he's falling asleep when they're discussing the schedule. Yeah. And then eventually I I, I need more coffee. And Helen's like, uh, -uh." (laughs) nah, Helen Helen, for for her. God bless her is trying to look out for the man's health, but yeah. And (laughs) no one else gives a fuck being put upon and her kids are being essentially like neglected. For weeks and, at a time and, here. Uh, and turned into props because it's Halloween and we mm-hmm. have to like trick or treat in front of the press and go to like 63 fucking houses because, you know, heaven forbid the, the upcoming president didn't hit like such and such house. Yeah. And all, like, oh my, I just put it and do, I shouldn't be surprised. So I'm not like actually upset about this, but like watching the show put such weight on things like going trick or treating. It's just like the whitest like <laughs> suburbanist possible perspective i just the, be- the best part is like at one point josh and him like fight about it or whatever and josh is like yes i realize it's stupid but america cares more about you trick-or-treating than any stupid policy thing you're about to say and unfortunately he's right <laughs> he's right folks we do we care about all that oh dumb God. shit we're so, so much stupid <laughs> To be fair, the media focuses on all that shit nonstop. Yes. So the the people only get what's put in front of them. And the media loves nothing more than to focus on all this bullshit rather than talk about policy. Speaking of the media, we get a brief segue where they talk about a guy from a blog showing up to do an interview. They're like, oh, well, what the fuck is this about? He's not in the press right. corps. He's like, oh, well, right. have you heard about the Internet? His internet site gets one million views. It's more than like the Pittsburgh Daily Gazette. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny for like a 2006 or whatever. Like this feels like a very 1999 like idea yeah. of like, oh, the internet sure is popular now. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear they're they're shutting down the Sedona Daily Intelligencer because it's all online now? Like, okay, fine. Yeah, there's, it's literally, and we get nothing more than just like he meets the blog guy and they start an interview. Oh, like, there's a like, joke about his nickname. Just, it's literally just a joke about like, whoa, weird blog guy with a weird name. As, speaking of names for jokes, your name gets referenced as a, <laughs> as a inherit, basically a, a throwaway, unserious person's name when discussing like a Jay Leno writer. Yeah, it's Stu from the Jay Leno show. Okay. <laughs> Uh, f- fine <laughs> funny name i guess haha <laughs> yeah uh it's better than rana <laughs> yes this is true that is absolutely made up our apologies to all <laughs> listeners who are named rana <laughs> I, I swear i saw a rana on twitter one day and i was like no way they, they must be naming themselves after the character I'm, i i refuse to accept <laughs> anti-rana action here on this i refuse podcast. to accept that your that your christian name is rana <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and so, so uh, go ahead. Aside from the campaign, uh, the old, the other thing that this episode has to deal with is Toby. And remember when I expressed my disdain for the Toby plotline? It was episodes like this 
that drove that disdain uh, where he's just meeting with his attorney and the prosecuting attorney like a lot. And it's just a big excuse for Toby to yell and be ranting about everything like that. He doesn't like that. The prosecutor is like a, a career ladder climber, which, you know, Toby pot kettle black shit going on right there. Yeah. The excuse me coming from the former white house communications director. What? Yeah, coming from a man who, like, lost a gajillion campaigns till he found Bartlett and then worked his way all the way up to, like, communications director on the, on, yeah, uh-huh. so, I get it, man. It's DC. We're all career ladder jumpers here. Yeah. You can't, like, <laughs> you can't pull that card. So the, the contention is that the U.S. attorney is going to indict him again if he doesn't. For obstruction of justice. Yeah, for obstruction yeah. of justice. If he doesn't stop, frankly, obstructing justice. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, To be fair, he totally is. <laughs> and, and he's going to, like, but and Toby's concern is that this will torpedo the Democrats in right. the election. This will be like a Comey letter kind of moment uh, because it happens the week before the election. And, and, you know, it'll make the Democrats look like they're covering up, like, federal secrets and blah, 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 and, and tank Santos's chances. Yep. And that's, that's it. <laughs> that's, because for some reason, so, Toby, the writers have decided that Toby is still principled about this. None about, of his other shit. About, yeah, about keeping the truth of how he learned the information secret. Because to let it out that his brother told him which is the truth, to say that my brother told me about the military space shuttle would somehow, in Toby's mind, dishonor his brother's memory. Because, you know, people would think his brother is like a traitor or something like that. Yeah. And so he's taking the fall, which is fine. It didn't originally come up as like brotherly boasting. Wasn't that what Oliver Babish, like, he's like, how did your brother tell you? Like, like, he's like, he likes to boast He's like, you know, he's like, he was basically like, well, I know, you know, like they were going well, back and forth. I know the, yeah, Toby, I know the office. Yeah, Toby, the yeah, house. Toby's like, I know, like, how to get down to the situation room. And David was like, well, I know there's a military space shuttle. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's how it happened. And just by he, Toby refuses to tell this truth to the prosecutor, which would get him a, like a plea deal down from like six years to a year with like time off for good behavior, basically doing like no time. And, uh, Andy, who we see again, uh, shows up and she's concerned because like she normally wins her district by like 30 fucking points, but is now neck and neck because her opponent is flinging all this Toby stuff at her to be like, Oh, she married a a traitor or whatever. And, and so rather than like make this situation better for both himself and Andy, he said is like out of, has a very strange pride about keeping his brother's memory intact. It's very dumb. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I love when Andy comes in a, because of the clear, like hot wife, schlubby husband dynamic <laughs> Dyna- that's going yeah. on because she's a bombshell and toby's this this kind of nebbish like you know <laughs> cigar smoking nerd and yeah it's very uh french president with his <laughs> yeah. awesome wife thing going on <laughs> and we also see their kids which are they have this cute little moment where they come up and they're dressed as baltimore the orioles baltimore orioles fans he's like uh what about all the yankee stuff i <laughs> gave you <laughs> because well, Andy's a congresswoman from, from Maryland. Bal- yeah, from Baltimore. Yeah. Like, so, but and that's cute. And like they have, 
they have good chemistry. The actor and actress have good chemistry yes. together. So it's nice to see, but it's just, it's stupid that it has to be driven by this ridiculous sort of out of time preference to stand on principle in this one occasion. Like we were yeah, talking before this- we started when the whistleblower thing was going on, I don't know, three seasons ago, yeah. Toby was going out there being like, I will fucking personally put the thumb screws on every goddamn person <laughs> right. in this bill. I will right. torque him out of this shit. I'm going full 1984 like, yeah. on, on all of you motherfuckers. Like, he's the first to go the hardest about this. And then the second, like, an inch of it is turned on him. He just starts whining and bitching. Well, yeah. Real, and, real dish it out, can't take it energy, basically. And I think this is honestly, um, this and the Toby thing is something that the smarter what Emma describes, I think they are self-described as wingnuts, realized eventually and were like, man, this actually isn't that great. Like the 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 direction the of the line. show, well, and then the whole direction of the show post-Sorkin, where it's just like, yeah. this was the example that just hammered so much of this home because it's like, right. the plot doesn't like, fucking we, matter. Doing the here? character <laughs> is completely directionless. Like, and it's been going on for over half a season at this point of just like keeping this Toby ball up in the air where where we don't find out like what actually is going to happen to him. And spoiler alert, like basically nothing of consequence. Yes, you'll be surprised to hear that that's the outcome. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's it would have been so much better if he had just been doing the campaign helping stuff like earlier when he tells them to go to California in the first episode. He's acting as like a campaign advisor over the phone to Josh. That should have been his role. Without all this bullshit going on in the background with his stupid court case, you know? He bounces well off Josh. Yeah, well, then he he was originally characterized as a foil he to bounce- the... That's like, the thing. He bounces well off all of our mains, and yeah. this storyline rips him away from all of our mains. <laughs> yes, it like, sure does. That's, that's where they fucked up. <laughs> And the times that we have enjoyed this storyline are when Babish is back. He's not a main, right. but we, we're he's, throwing him into the mix, and it keeps right. it interesting to a degree. He's got great chemistry with you know with anyone. Yeah. Um. So we always appreciate him. But yeah, like you know, and this is why we appreciate seeing Andy because Richard Schiff and the actress who plays Andy have great chemistry. And it's like Richard Schiff is a good actor and he can bounce off people really well. But like you've given him like he just stands in the room and he yells at this stupid attorney for the whole episode. You give you give him awful material. Like, what do you expect? Sure. Yeah. And it's just I mean, it, it's just a, a completely meandering and meaningless direction to take stuff. So yep. and meanwhile, there's a campaign that's ending within a week. Like, shouldn't the whole focus be there? Or, yeah, and, or, like, doing other stuff and making up drama that isn't, oh, the candidate's tired. Yeah, we've got a war going on in Kazakhstan, too. I'd like some of that instead of this, Which honestly. is also, also completely fucking bizarre, because most of the candidate is tired plotline details how they are pushing away the NSA briefing. Right, because, yeah, they're, they're giving him a little more time to campaign instead of, like, taking his foreign policy briefings and he freaks out about it because he's like i have to go in there and like manage that war from day one or whatever but it's like yeah but you're campaigning right now like you have a whole transition period relax bro like and but if i'm do one thing first well and that's all well and good but writers you are making the world here you can just have him have enough time to get some briefings about fucking world war three 
Like, that would yeah. be slightly more interesting than taking your kids trick-or-treat. Like, I don't care. <laughs> uh, at one point, Santa's kids throws up because he ate too much candy. And I just want to say that I have had that experience of being that <laughs> child throwing up from eating too much candy. However, in my case, it was Valentine's Day candy, not Halloween candy. Uh, and red lollipops sure do make for some disgusting looking puke. <laughs> Listeners, what Dave is saying here is that he got the third grade ladies like nobody's business. <laughs> I got so many red lollipops. So and many. then <laughs> wisely decided to eat them all. <laughs> Uh, you choo choo uh, choose me. <laughs> uh, the writers in this episode also really think that yelling equals drama because, again, Toby just yells for most of his plotline. At the very end of it, Santos yells at Josh, or he actually yells at his wife, uh, or in front of everyone, kind of thing. Uh, and then, you know, has like everyone's just cranky and yelling, and the writers just think that yelling is a shortcut to drama. And on the one hand, I'm mad at them because it worked. Where I was like checked out and then Toby started yelling and I kind of like paid more attention to the episode. And I'm like, God damn it. I'm such a stupid monkey. <laughs> oh, there he's right. There must be something important happening. <laughs> They're yelling. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like I get it. It's West Wing. Some of the most dramatic moments involve yelling because, you know, it's just sort of the nature well, of the because show. It's, well, because it's gauche to raise your voice because well, you're a, right. you're a bloodless and, technocrat and you can't have emotions. And like, in a show that is not like an action show, you know, how do you emphasize something without having a fight scene? Well, yeah, you have yeah, yeah. people yell. <laughs> it's a talking show. So they yell instead, instead of pulling out a gun and shooting a guy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I get it, but it's just like I felt the trick was like the most on display in this particular episode where they're just like, oh shit, this scene's not working. I don't know. Have him yell. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, it's like a lot of the scenes where it's like, oh crap, like we got to redirect. Um, how about bring the kids in? Cool. Right. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, they have a fight or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like they just have like a dartboard of like shitty ways to gin up drama. <laughs> Oh, and the the least shitty way is that um, they have John Bon Jovi the whole time. Yeah, Bon Jovi's <laughs> here. He's like the head of their volunteers. He keeps trying to talk to Santos about volunteering. Um, but all I can think about is the 30 Rock joke about him being NBC's artist in residence. <laughs> yeah. Because that feels exactly what this is. It's just like, hey, we got Bon Jovi to hang around. <laughs> Like, he's well, just hanging around. Janine Garofalo's trying to flirt with him and stuff. It's like, it's great. It's Bon Jovi, you know? Like, how can you not be amused? It's it, we're, It's like a pre-30 Rock cast assemblage because fucking Arnold Vinnick is in that episode, too. Yeah, we John got Bobby, Alan Yeah, he, he yeah. has to, he needs a kidney. So John, Bobby, yeah. John Bon Jovi writes him a song. <laughs> Yeah, we've got yeah, we've got a whole pre thirty rock uh, reunion, as it were. <laughs> I'm one uh, of the drunk ones. <laughs> uh, I, I also like that at one point, both uh, Helen and Matt express concern about the fact that their children are uh, without supervision, uh, either a with Bon Jovi or b trick or treating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, great, my kids are with a rock star. Could you go check on Maybe, them? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. And which is, which is like, cute because like, it's which not... I, I love the idea that, like, John Bon Jovi's going to, like, make their kids rail cocaine or something. Yeah. Like, he's like, what do you think he's going to do? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's like old person be like, oh, no, not the world of rock and roll. 
Like, the, the sex drugs, the sex drugs and rock and roll are gonna get all over them. <laughs> <laughs> He's contagious. No, as adults, yeah, we have really, antibodies to sex drugs and rock really and roll. It's really funny because he acts just like a really nice guy the yeah, whole time. He's totally. not like acting like a rock star or yeah. whatever. So it's it's really weird that they're like concerned that he uh oh unsupervised Bon Jovi with my children in front of the press like what like what do you think he's gonna do well and in, at this point John Bon Jovi was like 42 years old so it's like he's not gonna yeah. he's, he's he's it's uh, not like young young sex young drugs glam rocker for John Bon Jovi bon, it's like established yeah, like, multi-millionaire he's, bon he's like fellow dad Bon Jovi <laughs> like <laughs> Matt, you and him should be talking about like how what decks you're going to be building, you know? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I got it within two years. He was 44 when this was filmed. <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah, but uh, that mostly does it. Any All final right. thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, no, fucking. I mean, don't watch these two. These were Just, real oh bad. God, like I so usually, bad. I'm usually the one who goes like, you know what? I kind of like these. No, not with either of these. <laughs> Well, and your point about just kind of tuning out, it's just I find myself, like, looking at my phone instead of the television screen. I know. And I don't know how it got turned on or why I'm reading the forums or something. Like L- Legit. Like, and I really try not to do that. I try to pay, like, active 100% attention mm-hmm. to this. For you, the listener. This is all for you, <laughs> yeah. of course. Uh, but, yeah, like, the sec- by the second episode, and maybe it was because I watched them back to back, I was just, like, so checked out. And then, and then the yelling trick worked, and I hated myself for falling for it. <laughs> I, I did fail to mention that there's one one line in the first episode here where the the Ann Coulter equivalent Jane says mm-hmm. like they're having a discussion and Arnie Vinnick makes some point about demographic and she she says spare me the political science lecture. What? <laughs> Lady, what are, you're running in a campaign. <laughs> like what are you talking about? That's your entire job. Yeah, like that's that's your wheelhouse. You are a political science lecturer, like, in action. And I, I, don't, I don't know why that popped back into my head, but basically I'm looking at the notes and being like, what did we miss? And that was it. It's sure. like, why? What? Sure. M- motherfucker, you, you get paid to do political science. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Again, there's another there's another line that you just made me think of as the the most redundant line ever where they decide they're going to California for the day to like, you know, as a campaign shakeup strategy. And Santos has to say, make sure my event my day is scheduled with events from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. <laughs> like like, yeah, motherfucker, you're running a presidential campaign. What do you what do you think we we're gonna do? Half a day? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay. Guys, when I get up and go to work in the morning, I'm going to have to be there all day. All like day. I'm going to be working. For, the, for my entire eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's the most like, as you know, kind of like redundant exposition statement. of <laughs> Just like, make sure my, all my, my day is fully booked. Like, yeah, you're running for president. It's the last week. I think we're going to book you. It's fine. <laughs> God, how many more fucking episodes do we have to do at this point? Well, we got the election coming up next, listener, so we have that to look forward to, which I think is a two-parter in and of itself, so Mm, uh, we will will combine those two again, uh, but this way, in a way that makes perfect sense, as I believe it is election part one and election part two. Um, So we will have that to look forward to. I remember that episode being good in my memory, so I will be excited to revisit and see if my memory 
is accurate or not. Maybe it's just good that we're done with campaigning, you know? And so those will be two of the last seven episodes that we have to record. Yeah, then we just get like a few of transition and then uh, wrapping up the Bartlett administration and the finale kind of thing. All right. Wow. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Who knew? (laughs) We can see it. Um, All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, As always, you can drop comments in either one of our threads. Uh, If you found the show another way, hi, hello, welcome. If you'd like, if you want to comment or shoot us a message or something, you could send the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is always nice. And uh, we'll be taking a break and then we'll come back and we will discuss the election episode and find out who wins, Santos (laughs) or Vinick, in this uh, culmination of uh, um, what has been a season and a half long plotline, I guess, of the election uh, since we met (laughs) Matt Santos, like what, early season six, something like that? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway... Uh, we will be back to discuss that next time on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. the money you asked for, but don't ask me to come on along.